Hello, and welcome to the Hugenhoff Podcast, Episode 10. Before we start, I'd like to mention, if you would like to visit my website, please feel free to do so at www.hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F dot org. Also, if you had any feedback for the show, and I did want to say I really appreciate feedback. I've got a, a couple friends, at least one friend, who listens to my show and will send me IMs and text messages saying what he thinks about it and sometimes furthering the conversation. And I really appreciate that to know what people think. So please feel free to give me any feedback that you might have. And to do that, just send an email to Hugenhoff Podcast, all one word, at gmail.com. That email address will also be in the show notes. So again, please send me feedback if you have any. Alright, that said, I wanted to start out by apologizing for last month's show. I know that it was late. I actually went on vacation a couple weeks ago, and I meant to publish the show and then go on vacation, but somehow it didn't get published. I mean, I had the RSS file made up for the right date and the show notes, and I changed the 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 HTML files, and they're all in a folder, and all I had to do is move them over, but apparently it didn't move over right, or I just forgot to move it over, so I'm sorry, I know a monthly podcast, it's already not coming out often, and, and I do try to get it out at the beginning of the month whenever possible, so sorry about that. And I think I mentioned last time that we were thinking about doing a show on the Havamaw. We are doing that show next month, actually. And the reason is, um, depending on the timing, this will be right before or after Easter. It's going to be around Easter, and um, it's kind of topical what I what we're going to talk about. Plus, I wanted sort of a more free-flowing topic, because I know it can be hard to get through the lore sometimes, and the Havamaw is really going to be a long one, because there's going to be lots and lots of uh, moral dilemmas and questions coming up. Okay, so with all of that said, I want to welcome Lore, my co-host today. How are you doing, Lore? Doing fine. Good to hear. (laughs) Okay, now I think that I have said everything that I needed to say in the beginning. Uh, I had mentioned Easter, and Easter is... The name is actually related to Austera, which is a goddess. Now, this is going to bring us into the topic, because from certain documents, um, the Veneral Bede writes about this, and so does um, Grimm, the guy who did Grimm's fairy tales. Basically, we know that there is a celebration, and it happened in the April-ish time frame, in a month that they called Austera Month, basically. It's like Austara Mock or something. But it was a month that loosely translated to Austera Month. And Bede and Grimm, both for linguistic reasons, because they were linguists, which is not my field of expertise, they said because of the way the the name was written and the the month was written it it was pretty they're pretty confident that it meant this is a month dedicated to a goddess named Austera okay so that's kind of shaky ground to begin with as far as Austera goes 
the way that she's described in contemporary circles makes sense with the rest of the lore as in it would make sense for us to have a spring goddess a goddess of rebirth a goddess of life and it would also make sense for us to honor her around the april time because that's when spring's coming back and life is coming back and things are being reborn you remember from the uh, uh study the central or one of the central themes of that was rebirth the world falls into the ocean uh, you know the world is burned cleansed by fire and then falls into the ocean then it comes back out it is reborn as a new world and the rebirth moral um, idea, whatever that would be called, the idea of rebirth comes up over and over again in also true mythology. So, Austera is consistent with also true mythology, and you know, there's the linguistic thing, but other than that, we don't actually have any stories. We don't have any lore about Austera saying this is Austera and this is her story. Uh, people have written things about her in in the recent past. There's a story where um, the whole light thing of Easter eggs comes from is that Ostera saw this bird in the woods and uh, the bird was injured and she wanted to save the bird so she turned it into a rabbit but then the rabbit laid eggs and painted them these bright colors and like thanks of Ostera. Now where that comes from did someone just write it? Was it folklore? I don't know. It's a little hard to track that down as well. But it didn't come from something like the Poetic Edits. It didn't come from a collection of stories that someone who actually believed this stuff had written down and then later monks or rich people transcribed to save Norse poetry. So there's no real lore about Austera. So the question, but nonetheless, a lot of also true people believe that Austera is a goddess. So what we're going to discuss today is in the in the past, if the lore of a god or goddess has been lost, can we regain it, and can we justifiably believe that that god or goddess once existed and pay them homage? Uh, Lord, do you have any? thoughts right off the top of your head of things you might be thinking about this topic <sighs> well I was basically just going to sit here and devil's advocate uh, against things just no, because I'm negatively uh, bent in my mind right now so uh, if you form a hypothesis, I will tear it apart. That's about all I'm here for, because other than that, I, I don't have any stance on it. Okay. And this, this, is, this is a good topic, because it does bring up a lot of interesting questions, I suppose. So I guess I'll let you do that. I'll let you be the devil's advocate, so we can explore some of the problems with it. Because I think when we first look at this, it's easy to see the dangers. Okay, so let's say, let's take Austera as our case study. She's a god. We don't know anything. We just know that a month in spring was probably named after her. Now, if we say, oh yeah, well you can make the rest up, the rabbit story, oh that's totally true. <clears throat> if you can just make up lore, that's a really dangerous territory because people could be like, oh well, Odin 
runs a merry-go-round in New York City, which the gods made, and Thor sells Laffy Taffy, and everything could just be reduced to absurdity if you're allowed to throw any lore that you want out there. So there's kind of a lot of dangers with saying, yeah, you can just make up lore. On the other hand, I don't think that it's completely um, completely wrong to do it, but I do think it's important to uh, make sure it's in, in sync with the rest of the religion, to make sure it makes sense with the rest of the religion. Because first we have to ask the question, is there a need to create new lore at certain times? Is there a chance that some of the lore was lost? Now, <laughs> yes, a lot of lore has been lost. I, I was, could say that. I was going to say, if you wanted to devil's advocate... that, Well, actually, I'll devil advocate this. Okay, so normally people would be like, oh, well, obviously lore has been lost. But some would argue that if lore was important, the gods would make sure that it was saved. Uh, so it's like the Poetic Eddas, right? That was written down by some monk somewhere. Well, that's because that was part of the gods' plan. They wanted to make sure that the important or the true lore was saved. The false lore they didn't care about. They actually wanted to get rid of that. But they wanted to make sure that only the true lore was saved. So they're gods, and they came down and, and they... um presented these poetic things in such a way that someone like Snorri or Saman would see them and it would capture their interest and then they'd write them down. So see, only the important stuff got saved. That's kind of dangerous, though. Um, I don't know. It's just, why so? Huh? Why, why so? Why is that dangerous? Well, because then you have the idea that... Uh, only things that survive should survive. So if that's the case, then the religions that survive should be the true ones then. And since, for the most part, there are very few people who practice true, that is then false, because it's dying out or has died out in the past. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's actually a very good argument. But you see... <clears throat> this is the time of Osatru coming back. Oh, okay. And um, the whole, like, Christian thing, for example, it preaches untrue morals, like it, it doesn't stress family, maybe, or, or okay, it stresses that you should be humble, and the whole, like, you have to be a slave to God or Satan, and those are your only two choices. Those are morals that when we see them, we should realize they're wrong, and also true has the right morals, so we should go to that and believe that religion. So the whole it's not popular is just a test, but for those who pass the test of realizing this is the true religion, they will um, know that only the lore that is really old is stuff that's true, because they know that the gods saved it. Ah. But if it's but if it's true, then why did Christianity even come about? As a test, well, you see the a ice test. the ice giants are trying <laughs> to fight the gods, right? So they made up the whole Christian God idea, and they went around and spread the Christian religion 
to pull people away from the gods so that they'd have less people to fight in Ragnarok. And it's a test at the same time somehow. What are we? What we're doing here is just constructing hypotheses with no backing of anything other than it's a statement that kind of messages up with what we're perceiving in our own perceptions, our own mm-hmm. perceptions of the world. Because yes, of course, we uh, enjoy the ideas uh, presented to us from the the Eddas and, and the Norse uh, culture and religion, as opposed to the humbling and all this other jazz from the Christian uh, mythos. But that's the only why you're you're hypothesizing it, though. It, it's only shaped by that idea that you like something. Mm. Well, I suppose what what I could say we're trying to do is the hypothesis I just made up that it's all a test. Does that make sense? Like, does that hypothesis really make sense, especially when you actually read the lore? Uh, I don't see any basis for that in the lore, but if that's the case, then that basis shouldn't have been ever concluded because it wasn't in the lore. And if you're going with that route previously with the lore that is presented to you is the only true lore, then what you're there left with is a false lore that you then made up. Right. So this hypothesis... Well, now, I suppose you... There was one story. Remember the story when Odin... Oh, what was that? Odin and Frigga both had sons, and they sent their sons to the world, and uh, through a little bit of trickery, Odin... Well, I don't want to get into the whole story. It may be a different podcast, but what ended up happening is Odin went to this guy's castle, and this guy... Uh, imprisoned him and like put him over a fire and and then a bunch of stuff happened and then uh, I'm not explaining this well at all but no (laughs) alright maybe I should just start from the beginning on this story so basically what happened Odin and Frigga had two champions that, that each of them thought they were the better person and they put him on an island for a while, and eventually both the champions made a boat to leave the island. (laughs) And they left the island. Now, as soon as they hit land, one of the people, who was Odin's favorite, pushed the boat back into the water with with the other guy still in it. The other guy floated off and got shipwrecked on an island and ended up marrying a troll woman. And then the guy, Odin's favorite, he became a great king. So Odin and Frigga were arguing again, and Odin was saying, oh, well, look at my favorite. He is a king, and yours is with a troll wa- a troll woman. So Frigga said, well, I, I bet if you went to your son, he wouldn't even honor you with a hospitality. Hospitality is a really big moral thing that you need to do. Right. So he agreed to it, and uh, and this is very clever of Frigga. So then Frigga ended up sending a messenger down to the king, Odin's favorite, and said, someone is going to come and take your kingdom away. And you'll know who it is because they won't bark at, or the dogs won't bark at him. Now, in other places in the Lord's known that 
Odin is uh, rather terrifying in many aspects. So terrifying, in fact, even dogs won't bark at him. So then Odin uh, disguises himself and goes to test Frigga's theory. And he comes up to the dogs, and of course, since it's his since it is Odin and he is terrifying by his nature, the dogs don't bark at him. And the king takes that as a sign that this is the guy who's come to destroy him. So he has him seized and thrown over a fire, uh, kind of as a torture thing. So I think three days or so go by, and he won't release him. And on the last day, Odin after giving the king a chance to release him and the king refusing to do so Odin reveals himself as Odin and then the king ends up uh, being so shocked and scared that he gets up and he stumbles and his sword falls out of its sheath and he ends up falling on his sword and killing himself now you could take that myth to mean what the king did the wrong thing that the king did is not show hospitality to a stranger even though he thought he may be dangerous, the rules of the time would say you should at least throw hospita- show hospitality to him, and certainly you should not imprison a man when you have no just cause to imprison him. Right. So he was tested there, and he failed the test. He imprisoned this man with no evidence that, what, that he had done anything wrong, and since he failed the test, the fates decreed that he had to die for that. So in the same way, we're being tested. I'm by not saying that there is no lore dedicated to, that we are, we will be tested. Of course, we're tested. We're tested in a daily basis. That's that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's no lore stating that there will be a test on uh, the, our people where the knowledge that they should be Norse will be taken away from them. Okay, I see. So. The lore may say we will be tested, but there's never really something like a test of faith mentioned. Whereas in a lot of other religions, there actually is a test right. of faith things. Because the gods are obviously just family. Maybe not just family, but they are family. We're included right. in with them. Uh, we stand beside them. We don't mm-hmm. tremble in fear. We're not... We're not you know, they never say, thou shalt not have any god other than me, and all right. this other stuff. Okay. Okay. So I think that that makes sense. There's there's the, the theory that the lore is like somehow ultimately true probably doesn't hold up, because if you only went by that lore, it wouldn't say that there's some test out there, and then there is, by your other theory, this giant test out there. So it probably doesn't make sense, and I suppose I will also mention, (laughs) that's kind of a jerk thing to do. I don't think our gods would just be big jerks to us on purpose. No, I mean, obviously, there is a test, and that's just life. That's all. I mean, the test isn't a test so much as you're saying that you stand with, or you kind of don't, or you are are in between. Because, you know, we have places for everyone. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's, it's because that's where you where you reside. But it, it's not like it's a formal test where you pass-fail, where right. uh, everything else seems so binary, every other religion does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, that is a good point. I, I think that it's not so... And, I mean, in some ways it is, because you have things like giants against gods, but in a lot of ways it's not so 
binary as in there's there's exactly two options and well and i think actually our afterlife kind of shows that too because there's a lot of places you can go when you die it's just that most people only mention you know valhalla and hell right or nightfall right because that's another place too (laughs) which is really missing it because you do you have valhalla Volkswagen, hell nightfall hell gladsheim um there's another hall of freya's Actually, that might be Volkswagen, but there's a special part of it set aside for men who are true to their wives. And, um, you know, I think most of the gods have halls where you could reside. Yeah, and, and I tend to agree with that as as well. It's and just, then, you, there's so much. Right, and you kind of have something else if if this is all just some giant test. Doesn't it kind of suck for the people who were in the not-so-good part of the test? I mean, if this is just some giant test, it's not really fair that, you know, the first people who are around when, for them, like, Asatru was the main religion, they kind of get it easy. The -hmm. people who are around when you get killed for being anything but Christian, they had it way hard, and then us have it a little bit easier than those middle people, but not quite as easy as the last people. So it seems if it's an intentional test... It would at least be fair for everybody, and it's certainly not. So that's another reason to kind of think it's probably not a test, because if it was, why are there such varying degrees? It's probably this is the way the world works. Do you mind if I change, like, maybe not topics so much, but kind of, like, take this on a different route than maybe we were thinking? Uh, Yeah, sure, go ahead. I have a question. Now... Also true to me is about family and friends and being close to our ancestors and, you know, living up to the moral code that we we, we find in the lore. Yes. Uh, okay. And when I die, I hope that I have, you know, lived in such a way where I, if I don't continue to exist, at least I'll be honored in sort of a way where I would be considered to go into one of the halls as opposed mm-hmm. to Nyquil Hall or what like. Right. If there is that afterlife there, where are my family who were raised Christian and are Christian or they've turned and now they're atheist or, or anything like that, if there is that afterlife, where would they go? Where would they reside? Would they go to this Christian God? Mm. Because we don't, we don't necessarily, we don't believe that there's only one religion in this world, or at least I don't. Right. And I don't think you do either, because no. it's about family, and obviously there are other uh, places in this world that have different cultures. Mm-hmm. Like the Japanese have Shintoism, right? Where they worship their, uh, well, worship is maybe a strong word for what they do, but they honor mm-hmm. their ancestors and. Uh, all living things around them. Um, it, would it matter that they had an opinion that wasn't a part of our ancestry, or our pantheon? I think... Well, okay. And I think I've discussed why I think you go to hell. Um, and I won't get into... We've kind of gone over Nifel Hell. Right. Um, the reason why I think most people go to hell is, and I mean, if, if you look at the descriptions of hell, this kind of makes sense. They Their wills are extremely weak, so that's why they end up going to hell, because they're not strong-willed individuals, and they don't really want to continue 
existing. So who you are as a person and the way you grow up as a person is very much going to to determine where it is that you end up going. So certainly some of your family could go to hell if they were uh, more weak-willed, let's say. But I think if they were still strong-willed individuals but just not true. Where they would, I don't know if they would necessarily go anywhere because the lore does, or and at least the saga is more than the lore, but the lore a little bit too, does talk about afterlives that are not quite afterlives. They talk about the Draugr or the Walking mm-hmm. Dead. They talk about ghosts a lot. You have the idea that someone can be brought back from certain afterlives. So it's quite possible that some of your family, you know, if they didn't, if if they weren't also true or whatever, may not end up going anywhere, and they may end up wandering the world for some amount of time. They, they could still perhaps think, oh, look, all my family went to Gladsheim, so I'm going to try to go there, and maybe they'd have a chance to get in there. Maybe they wouldn't. I'm not dead, so I'm not an expert on that topic. Right. But I do think that a lot of times they can wander the world. As far as the Christians going to heaven, I... Heaven... You know, I'm not a scholar on the roots of Christianity either, so I'm not sure what heaven used to be in the ancient like Hebrew religion. I think that... I highly doubt that they would make it into heaven because I think that that original what would he be Jewish God I guess or maybe even before that would be concerned about his own people and I don't think he'd necessarily just invite them in because he doesn't know exactly who they are so I don't think they'd probably make it to heaven I think they'd probably just kind of maybe wander around now if you read the Bible I have a friend who's very into Christianity that he's a very strong Christian and he reads the Bible and talks about what it really means and all this stuff and according to the the Bible what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to kind of trust in Jesus and all of this stuff and give your will over to Jesus and to make it even better when you die you actually just die you just cease to exist and then later on when the rapture happens you are mm-hmm. raised from the dead so if you think about if you think about that and my philosophy of the afterlife you give your will away because you give it to Jesus you no longer want to live you want somebody else to make the decision of your life and death and then you prepare yourself for non-existence it would be quite possible that you would actually cease to exist at that point in time because that's actually what you want to do and if you want to cease to exist, I think you would probably cease to exist. The will, once it's freed from the body, isn't forced against its will, so to speak, to stay here anymore. The body is something that kind of goes of its own accord if you want it to or not, you know, until you actually kill yourself or something. But once the body is gone, the will doesn't have that container sort of holding it down, but it also doesn't have that container holding it, period. So if you don't have a will to continue at death, then I don't really think that you would continue. Just my belief. Okay, and the other reason I bring this up is when... 
Christianity was brought to our people. At one point in time, it was asked by our people to the Christian ministers, or uh, uh, whatever they're called, mm-hmm. um, what about my family? Will my family go to heaven if I convert? Right. And, and the answer that they were given at that point was no. Mm-hmm. Only you who was saved will get into heaven. And I believe at that point, those individuals refused to go in. And then okay. at a later point, uh, Christianity was being brought to the Eskimos, I believe. Right. Or, or some Native Americans. And it was said at this point, so I have to try to get into heaven by doing the right things and I'll get into heaven. Right. And then, but my family won't. You're like, no, they didn't know about it, so they get into heaven immediately because they had no idea about it. Oh, that's stupid. So you can be so, a murderer and still make it into heaven because you didn't know. Apparently so. Now, see, those are two different things, and that you can see at that point either interpretations were different, or there were different methods of trying to convert outside people into Christianity. Well, I think the afterlife is very much up to the individual. I guess I also don't think the afterlife is quite so static. It's not like you die and go to heaven and boom, you're there forever. Right. When you die, I think even if you go to... And see, my my brother differs, is, is actually very similar, but differs a little bit. He doesn't think it's possible for the soul to ever cease to exist, where I think if the soul does not want to exist anymore, that's an option. But I would say, now, if you go to Valhalla, you sort of made a contract to be one of those. And I I think if you were chosen to go to Valhalla, there'd be a thing where, you know, Odin or the Valkyries or whoever said, okay, you can get in. Do you want to go to Valhalla? Because if you say yes, you do have to train until Ragnarok and fight in it. Then they'd have to agree or disagree to do that. But Wait, I think... Could you give me a roundabout time frame? Cause, yeah, yeah, yeah kinda, <laughs> I don't want to be here too long. But but the other afterlives, probably even to include hell, there is some mobility. You could be in that afterlife for a while, and you don't just cease to exist. You're still around, so you can still change things and do things, and it's possible you could even travel to other afterlives after the fact. I would think, because, I mean, in this life, we can... You know, if I'm in America right now, if I had enough money, if I worked hard enough and had the desire to move to Sweden, I could do that. It'd be hard. I'd have to learn the language and get a bunch of money and all that. It would be hard, but I could do it. And I think the afterlifes... And see, this is something different if I think about also true and some of the other religions. The afterlife and the current life aren't really that different. So I think if I really tried to get to a different afterlife, I would be able to do that as well. Now, there is something I wanted to mention because um, there's a situation where, okay, let's say there's two people, and one, um, we've explained folkish, the idea of the folk soul, and they're your family, so you're tied to them. That's why if I go to Glad Time, uh, it's likely I'd be let in because they are family, but if someone of a different race went to Glad Time, they would probably be like, look, you're a great guy, but you have your own gods, and they care about you because they're your family, and maybe they'd be sent over there. So let's say there's like uh, folkishly 
Asatru person and a folkishly Shinto person. And they end up getting married, right? So they're a family and they have kids and stuff. I think there is a really interesting question in that afterlife. Would they have to go their separate way or could they go into the same afterlife? And that's a good question. I don't know. I think they'd probably make an exception. The husband would be like, she's with me. But on the other hand, maybe they wouldn't want to go. I mean... If you die, that kind is kind of a life changing, uh, <laughs> it's a life changing situation. So maybe after that, they'd be like, "Look, I need to develop my soul and go over here." And the wife would be like, "Though I love you, I need to develop my soul and go over here." And I think that they could very honorably and possibly split ways then too. I'm just saying, I think we have a lot of choice in where we go in the afterlife. Or they could go traveling. Or they could go traveling because there was an interesting idea that you had mentioned maybe, I don't think it was on the show, but you you and I talk about stuff all the time mm-hmm. where, what if Yggdrasil is not the only tree? There's multitudes of trees out there and that we could travel along those trees as well. Yes, and um, that actually comes there's a piece of lore somewhere in the hand somewhere in the poetic edits I think, where it mentions, it's talking about Yggdrasil and it and there's another place where it mentions Hogmimmer's forest. And this is mm-hmm. a little putting things together, but I think it says something about Yggdrasil being in Hogmimmer's forest. Well, right. if it's a tree which is in a forest, that would imply that there were other trees in the same forest. So, and, and I do think that it's very possible, even more so after Ragnarok. But I think this works in levels, too. You know, in our sphere where we are, there may be a a multitude of different trees that we could go to. And I do think, you know, I'm probably going to stay on Yggdrasil, but after Ragnarok, I think that's a really good time. And that's the time when I think the people, you know, who made it through or whatever would be like, I have learned what I can from Yggdrasil. I have learned what I can from this this universe, this universe to include the physical and the spiritual, now I'm going to move on to another universe, another tree in the forest, so to speak. It's kind of the idea of the multiverse, but but yeah, I think that's interesting too. You you have the idea of, of traveling as well. And if you put it with the family thing, it actually makes a lot of sense because... Um, for a long time you want to stay you know the family the gods are our greater family and just like if our souls you know according to my theory are, are new ones because the body is what creates the soul we are young so we would want to stay with our parents and our family the gods as we learn things but eventually just as children set off from their families we would also want to set off from our families and explore even more things in the world around us. Cool. So, <laughs> hopefully that answers the question. So what, we're like halfway through the show now? Um, yeah, I don't remember when we started. I think we're about halfway through the show. That was an interesting uh, side tangent, though. I uh, quite enjoyed it. I, I did want to talk about that at some point, but I figured perhaps you'd like to get back on topic. <laughs> We can get back on topic. This show's a little more loose. We don't have that strict format of following the lore, which I thought would be nice, and of course, give feedback. I thought it would be nice for the listeners, because we've been so structured for the last few shows. I thought it would be nice to open it up and see where conversation went a bit more. Now, um, 
Okay, Do you I'll mind help. if I go ahead and step in? Because I have something to say then. Uh, okay. So we are talking about the possibility of creating new lore, or yes. that perhaps the only lore that we have now is the true lore. Right. Now, if you keep in mind that, like the Christian lore, it was brought together by a group of people mostly directed by an individual that only brought in so many books mm-hmm. that luckily for the Christian people there are scrolls and stuff that they can gather together that was written about the same time so they have that information whereupon we don't have all that information we have sagas mm-hmm. that add additional lore that we can take from but mostly we have like the Eddas and those were put together by individuals who were not of our religion and if we look at it that way well, uh, individuals singular people only brought together a certain amount of stories, and uh, s- specifically Snorri mm-hmm. was only doing it, maybe not only doing it, but was doing it specifically because he liked the kennings and he liked the, the way the, 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 the poetry was written. Right. So it was keeping those kinds of stories in that fashion as opposed to trying to get the most correct details on everything there. So we will be missing pieces. But how do we gather new stories? Is it possible to gather new stories from that? Well, yeah, that's the trick. Can we actually... I mean, maybe we'll look into finding a story buried somewhere. Unlikely. But, yeah, can we... Well, but let's think about how the lore came in the first place. Right. I would argue... We know is oral tradition, primarily. I would argue that the gods came down to people and tried to communicate with them. And the people did their best to understand, and they would share these experiences that they had with the gods. Over time, these experiences came to be one cohesive uh, narrative of the gods, that body put together we might call the lore. Now, the, the thing is, the gods may talk to everybody, but they talk to people in different ways. And now, actually, this is a big disagreement my brother and I have. I do think that anyone can talk to the gods if they put their mind to it, and not everybody agrees with that. It, it doesn't matter either way. It's just, I guess, something I wanted to say. Um, but you've got the idea that gods talk to different people, but, you know, we're people, this is a very new thing for us. Well, not a new thing so much as it's a very difficult thing for us because the gods do live in a different realm, so to speak, than we do. So it's hard for us to understand exactly what they're saying for us. It's easy for us to misinterpret it. It's extremely easy for us to put our own personal prejudices on it. Also, it's frustrating when, if you're trying to talk to a god, it's frustrating when you get no results. So sometimes you can tell yourself that you did get results just so you feel like you did. Maybe it makes you look better to your peers. So, I mean, you have the idea of people are being dishonest with themselves. Those stories mm-hmm. would obviously not be inspired by the gods. And you have, you have the problem with um, people just getting it wrong. Maybe the gods come down and tell you something about themselves, and you just misunderstand because it's not through words and pictures. It's through something different. So what would happen over time is someone would have an experience and tell other people their experience, and then these other people would think on that and meditate on that 
and they would have similar experiences. Now, sometimes there'd be a story, someone would throw in a story, and no one else would get that. Everybody else would work with the same God, and they, they wouldn't get the same story. And that wouldn't resonate with people. When the bards told that story, no one would pay them. And that story would... It, it well, probably because it wasn't a true story in the first place, it didn't resonate correctly with people, and it would have been forgotten about. It's it's a lot like evolution. The traits that are good for you survive. The same thing, the stories that other people have... If there's a story that someone tells and other people have had similar experiences backing up and confirming that story, that story becomes more powerful because lots of people experience it, so we think that it's that it's probably true. Um, because lots of people try to commune with the gods, and they all have this same thing happen. That's something that's very powerful when you work with a god, and another person works with the gods, and you get a story that's the same. So I think over time, only the stories that were the same, only the stories that pe- that resonated with people, would be saved. Um, as lore and and that's how the lore came to be and then you know much later people would start writing it down especially in a poetic fashion they'd start writing it down and the poems that were eventually saved by Snorri and you it, it may have taken millions of years to get the body of lore put together but if if i'm correct in thinking that's where the lore came from which is up for debate I think I'm right, but maybe I'm not. If I'm correct on that, if we want to think now about lost lore, and let's come back to Ostera, if we want to think, is Ostera a goddess or not a goddess, what we would have to do is try to work with her. If she's not a goddess, she's not going to communicate with you. Now, in in all likelihood, some part of yourself pretending to be her will communicate with you, but it won't have that powerful God experience. It won't blow you away. It won't be such an amazing experience that you're just like, you know, blown away for two or three days. And because of that, you can probably know it's probably not really a God. You can tell, I think, the difference between when you actually communicate with deity and when you just communicate with yourself or a self, a part of you that is influenced by deity or those different things. So what I think will happen is these stories, if austere is true, these stories will resonate with people and people will have similar experiences. And, you know, I've read a lot of stuff online where it seems to me that where people are claiming that they've had experiences with austere and they're there's a lot of stories that are repeated and people say that it came to them separately. That may or may not be the case. I can never know what another person actually experienced, but I can do my own work with Austera and see are these experiences validated? And you know, personally I do believe that there is a goddess Austera, but I don't think she can be part of the lore yet because we haven't had generation after generation having the story be confirmed and reconfirmed and developing into a true part of the lore. So with this, the way I take it is Ostera right now is very possibly a goddess, but all you can really know about her is your own UPG, your own um, personal gnosis. 
in the future, as I talk about my experiences with Austera and other people talk about their experiences with Austera, the stories will start to become something more solid, which is accepted as lore. The Easter egg story that I just told, for example, you'll find it all over the place stated as if it was lore and you'll read it and think there's really a story about it somewhere but you won't find that story that's not historical Mm -hmm. but eventually it'll go so far into the past that you won't realize that you don't know where it came from just like the stories we have now the lore we have now at one point in time people didn't tell those stories but eventually you lose the story is so old you don't know where it began and then it becomes lore. And I think the same thing can happen with the austere stories. The austere stories that are being created being created now, and I think created because people are really communing with austera, eventually those stories will be so old, we can't see the beginning. Their origins will be lost in time. So, so I think in that way, when that happens, we can include that amongst the lore. Hmm. Of course, I do realize that means that the austere story won't actually be part of the lore for generations to come, hundreds if not thousands of years. Right, but uh, see, I personally don't have a problem with that. I really don't. My own, but my gut is always about trying to find the oldest thing I can. Mm. Yeah, and that is that is my gut has a problem with that, but my mind understands that these. My own personal take on the gods is very personal and inside me kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to have new things develop there, but to kind of put that outside myself and have other people experience that. That's different, and that's not something I would ever write down. Or I might express to my friends about it, but it's not something mm-hmm. I would share to the masses like some of these stories have been given. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and I can see that. Where we are now, the only responsible thing to do with Austera is to leave it up to the individual. And if you want to share the stories, that's fine, but make it clear that, you know... This is a modern story. I don't want to say modern invention, because what I'm thinking probably happened is the original lore in Austera was lost. I mean... Well, that, that, that's another thing I have a problem with online. I know there is some data that predates the celebration of Easter and why we have eggs and why we have rabbits for fertility and all this other stuff. That predates the celebration of Easter, supposedly where Jesus was risen. Yeah. Well, we know that the holiday itself was ancient, because people were celebrating it, and we do have history about that. And I think the egg thing may even go back that far, and we know that they were ancient celebrations. What we don't know is what were the ancient celebrations to. Now, I did see some reference to uh, this being the opposite of Walpurgis, uh, Walpurgis not night. Okay. But other than that, I've not found too much more. Yeah. Well, there's not much on it. And if you're talking about the goddess Ostera, there is no lore on it. Right. Or there is no lore on her. Which is why this becomes very prevalent. Um, 
Uller is a similar god, a god right. in a similar situation. But we have carvings and stuff representing, or at least what we think is Uller. Well, we have carvings representing what we think is Uller, and we have towns named after Uller. And there may even be a mention of a wintry god somewhere, but even that I'm not sure if is actually the case or not. But we don't really have any lore of him. Um, again, a lot of Ostertruers do think that he's a god, though. And I suppose if it's a thing where almost everybody believes that he's a god, I wonder why that would be the case. You don't have almost all Ossetruers thinking Cthulhu is really part of the Norse pantheon. But, with some other gods like these two, almost everybody thinks that they are part of the pantheon. But we don't have lore in them. And, and see, the thing that you said about you want to go with the oldest lore, I actually agree with that. You should go with the oldest lore and say, okay, this is our, let's call it core. This is our right. core lore. We we really have faith in it. We know that it is actual lore. These other things are just personal things that we do. We're not saying they're right or wrong. They're just things that we do. But don't you think eventually, even if it is a thousand years in the future or something, the austera lore may be the oldest lore that we have. I mean, at some well, point in time, that may be the case. Now, the the thing about that is, um, I don't think it'll be called, you know, conventional. Uh, our our data is now more or less stable. The way we write things down, uh, as long as we can keep the system that we have in place continually to upgrade on top of itself, the lore that we have currently collected is not going to go anywhere, and it will have dates on it. Now, anything created modernly will have a date of this modern time frame, and it will not be during the time of the uh, the height, probably. I don't know. It may come about later, but at, at, at the what we know as the height of the uh, Norse culture. Mm -hmm. So it would probably not be taking... It, it may not be taken as the lore, it'd just be taken as a modern interpretation, or a... Who knows? Because if it's far enough in the future, it's, still, it's not going to look like it is a part of that particular time frame, unless we're talking about super long in the future, where even Earth history sounds weird. Mm, well, maybe. I don't think... You know, if you look at societies, it seems as though they do always crash. Yes. And I'm sure that our society, too, will crash eventually. And I'm talking when that happens and we lose our date system. We don't know how old everything was. I don't know, maybe it's nuclear holocaust or, mm. or maybe we just fall into anarchy. But I think that there will eventually become a, there will eventually come a time when our civilization falls and all of our information is lost, as has happened time and time again in history. And the only way we'll have access to our lore is maybe at that point in time if it were to be saved, it would have to be something like at that point in time there was a group of people who were practicing and they had their own ritual sheets and, and their own books and everything else. Just like we go almost exclusively off of Snorri, there may be some Ossetru 
church or whatever you call them, Osetru Horg, that archaeologists happen to find their their record book and you know hopefully it's a good one so the people have a good place to start but that person may mention Ostera just like she was a another goddess right next to Odin and it ends up coming down a lot to to what that person did and that may be the basis of our lore in another 2000 years I mean we celebrate Ostera uh, actually at this next book we're going to have yes so it's not like we don't Right, uh, so if I, I don't know, if if I were to, you know, well, let's say I have kids, and I'm not saying I will, but let's say I have kids, and, and they do the same thing, and that happens for five or six generations, and then there's a nuclear holocaust, and my kids are all crazy paranoid people, and they have a bomb shelter, and other people you know, the world is ended and the rabble comes up, you know, the paranoid people with nuclear bomb shelters, they come up and, and this is the only mention of Ossetro, it would seem as though the Ostera lore is just as old as the other stuff. If so, that's their only source, yeah, I guess so. Well, because all their books are electronic, because my kids are going to be technology nerds, but their own, like, rituals that they write, for spiritual reasons, they wrote, wrote those all out by hand. Right. They wrote stories out by hand. Using um, the stone walls of their bunker. <laughs> using the metal... No, the metal walls. Metal walls okay. of their bunker. <laughs> and what I'm saying... This is, you know, maybe a bit of an extreme situation, but if society were to collapse, our dating system isn't going to help us much. And it would be then that the lore got reset, so to speak, and, you know, these austere stories may really be considered part of the core lore at that point in time. Okay. Maybe. Um, I guess practically, practically, like we're talking our lifetimes, if these quote-unquote new things come around, something like Ostera, I would say the best way to deal with it is to do your own work with Ostera. And there's been other goddesses mentioned that didn't have lore to them, and I've worked with those other goddesses, or tried to work with those other goddesses too, and not got any results. I mean, I, just, I tried and tried and tried, but I got no results. But when I worked with Ostera, I actually got results. And that's why I choose to believe that Ostera is a goddess whose lore has been lost, and some other ones are goddesses who were truly modern inventions. And I think that everybody would have to do that for themselves. Work with the god or goddess, goddess. See what happened. See if you thought that they actually existed or not. The beauty of Ossetru from a very religious perspective, and I know there's different ways of being Ossetru, but from a religious perspective as in I think deities actually exist, the biggest advantage is our deities talk to us. You're not expected to never commune with your deity. So as if you have a question about the lore, you can just ask the deity in question. And you may not get an answer the first or the second time, but if you really want to know and you need to know, you will eventually get an answer to that to the question that you have if if it's actually one of the the and, gods or goddesses. And if you're going to commune, may I suggest like very much delve into any lore you can find about them first. 
Otherwise, you may confuse the matter more. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, with Austera, pretty much you can read about the celebration, you can read Bede, and you can read... um, Grimm. Grimm, thank you. And you can read Grimm. That's about all you're going to get, but you can still read those to get a little bit prepared. And, of course, you would want to be familiar with the rest of the gods. Because if you're not familiar with the rest of the gods, it's hard to understand how Ostera would fit into the pantheon. Um, and I do want to reiterate something you said. If I have personal experiences with Ostera, that's great for me. And I can tell everybody. But I think it's important that I do tell the people, these are my experiences with Ostera. There is not really any lore about her because I don't think it's fair to pretend like there's lore about something that there's not really lore about so do be honest when when you're talking about these gods and goddesses to other people make sure that you say I believe in Austera because I've had experiences with her but there's not actually any lore on her it's all been lost excuse me so I just wanted to reiterate that. Right. Don't don't make things up. It makes you look like a jerk. And it's not... It, it, it does. And it's really not honest to the other people because, you know, if they've decided to trust you, it's not fair to put them on the, the wrong path, so to speak, because, you know, what if you did get it wrong and they're doing all this stuff trying to replicate your results and they're they're just having no luck and they're really kind of wasting their time because maybe you got it wrong. So, yeah, it's not really fair to the other pe- person anyway. That, um, and let's reiterate, if you're trying to convert, don't lie. Because either right. you're... you're <laughs> those two Christians trying to convert two different types of people, one of them was lying. Right. And which one, who knows? Maybe they're like, oh, that really didn't work last time when you said we can't see your ancestors. Let's try this approach. Right. So why'd you tell me is what the response of the Native American was. Because I wanted to get into heaven. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, don't lie. Well, and don't... I don't think you should try to convert so much as you should try to inform other people and let them make the decision for themselves. That's always been my goal. That's why I have a podcast and not like flyers on a street corner. You know, I'm not standing around telling everybody they're going to Nifle Hell if they don't join my religion. Well, I would not want blind followers. That's not the point. The point is, our particular way we do things between you and I mm-hmm. and the people that we hang out with in our, our particular community is about uh, enjoying the lore and talking about it, you know, genuinely, intellectually. And trying to come to grips and understanding what we can from that. Not just going, oh, okay, that's how you do it. Right, right. And I think that works with true well because of the things that we've talked about. The lore was written by Christians. Austera, for example, doesn't have any lore, but we still admit that she may exist. I personally believe she does. That is not a requirement. Like, if if um, you wanted to join my kindred, for example, and you're like, I'm not comfortable with this austera thing. Um, there's no lore, and I haven't had experiences, so I can't commit to believing she exists. I do think that one is shaky enough ground that I 
I would not be like, nope, can't join, you have to believe in Austera, just because, you know, that's kind of, it's it's still in the stage where it's more of a personal thing. Of course, I would have to say, well, we do an Austera bloat, um, are you going to be okay with that? I mean, it, it would be a conversation that would have to be had to be had, but, uh, yeah, um, anyway, another thing that I was getting at is I do think that, actually not just Ossetrue, I don't know if maybe we have people who are different religions listening to the podcast, any religion should not be dogmatic. What is important is that a, a religion is fluid, it's changing, the gods hasn't, haven't necessarily stopped doing stuff, Obviously, their time scale works a little different than ours, so maybe most of the lore has already happened, so to speak. But your relationship with the god should always be developing, especially if you're the type that actually, you know, believes that that they are actually deities that actually exist, as I do. Your experiences with them should be, and your understandings of them should constantly be growing. Now, that doesn't mean they should constantly be changing, because if they're constantly changing, and the gods are always different from one day to another, it it seems like that would imply that maybe you don't quite have a proper understanding of them, and, and maybe you would want to go back to the lore and reread it and try to get a better grasp. But your concept of the gods should constantly be growing, I suppose, would be a better word for it. But a religion should be somewhat fluid, and you should continue to have actual personal connection with these deities uh, that were that we're talking about. And I think that's why something like saying that Ostera, that's why we can do something like an Ostera bloat, even though there's no lore about her, because we realize that it's the experiences we have with the gods and a more full understanding we gain over time that's important. We don't have to say, well, it wasn't in the lore exactly like this, so it's out. I needed a drink. I was rambling a lot there. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so um I guess that pretty much covers our topic. I know we are coming to the end of the show. So let's take a little time. Uh Lord, did you have any final thoughts on the Ostera topic or anything else we've discussed on the show? <sighs> New lore is lore that you find yourself. The the gods to me are very personal. They're 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 ancestors to me, they, and you should have these conversations with yourself. If there's anything new in this world that to be discovered from them, it's probably going to be a very personal experience. Uh, you can, and I would suggest do, share with your very close friends, family, because that will help you kind of uh, understand maybe what's going on there. But to share it to openly the masses would be a little weird, I would think to write out a story like some of these people did, I think is a little strange. I think the way for this lore to kind of uh, come into being and become more of a tradition is through the family and is through uh, the exchange of people between different, say, kindreds or or groups and uh, not just putting it on the Internet. I, 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 the lore that I've read on the Internet actually makes me angry because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't have any connection to anything to me, and when it's like that, I I, I feel negative about it. And that's just me, though. That's my personal experience with it. 
Okay. Um, I I do like what you said, and I guess I'll take a quick side, a t- quick step back to when we were talking about how did the Lord get created in the first place. To be more specific about what I said, certainly it was families first. The families were the central unit, and they would share things among themselves. And then maybe in their group of worship, they would, or their their religious group, they would share things among themselves too. And then it would it would grow like that. So keeping it among the the family and the kin, the the close friends, uh, that that's a good point to say. And it's sort of the curse and the blessing of the internet. Everything's, I mean, on the bright side, everything's out there. But on the downside, everything's out there. Um, And a lot of it is disingenuous. That's the problem with the internet as well. There's a lot of information, but a lot of it's wrong. So, so yeah, I, I think those are all good things to say. And I guess I will close by saying... What's most important, especially with gods and goddesses with little lore, but also, very importantly, gods and goddesses with lots of lore, what's what's key to understanding them is to work with them, actually try to contact these gods um, through medita- meditation and ritual is one way, or just through your daily life, you know, when you are uh, doing a manual labor think of Thor, and there is certain inspiration you get that way too. But by actually communicating with the gods, you do learn more about them, and through that process you also learn more about yourself. So keep an open mind, don't become dogmatic, and try to work with the gods and also with yourself uh, in in your day-to-day life. So, I think that's it for this episode. I wanted to start off by saying thank you, Lore, for being on the show again. Mm-hmm. And if you had any questions, please email me at hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com. That will be in the show notes, so you can just grab the email from there. And, yeah, visit my website, hugenhoff.org. Give me email. Oh, and with the email, if anyone does email me, which I'd suggest, please um, let me know if you want me to read your name or your email out online, because what I would like to do is have a little section for feedback, so you could bring up a question. It can be about the show or just about also true in general, and I'd, or, or just you know a greeting, whatever, and I'd like to read it out online and say, Bob from Mississippi says this and have a little mini discussion about maybe what uh, we think about that. So, yeah, again, I hope that you enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next month. All right, thank you everybody. Frahail. Frahail. <laughs>